0: Welcome to the She Slays the Day podcast with Dr. Lauren Brunslick. Direct, soulful, comedic. Advice for female chiropractors' most stagnating questions. Let's talk business, marriage and relationships, momming and self-development. Here's your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick. Okay, so here we go. Welcome to the first episode of She Slays the Day podcast. You guys, I was so nervous. I spent uh, way too much time legitimately thinking about what are, what are the first words out of my mouth. Uh, yeah, they were, so here we go, just in case you already forgot. Um, I like had to consult. I went through like all these like weird, I don't know, borderline like yelping noises. And I'm like, no, my sound guy is going to be mad about that. And I'm going to scare the people away. Uh, so here we go. Welcome. Um, is this going to suck? <laughs> like, so Rachel Hollis somewhere says something about how like, you know what? Nobody goes back and listens to the first one anyways. So and they all suck. So it's probably going to suck. Um, but it'll get better. Like, I'll get better at this, maybe, right? Like, I don't know. Here, Okay, here's the deal. I'll very likely get better. And I'll, I promise you this, if I don't think it's going to happen, I'll tell you. So like around episode like six, seven, eight, if if I think I've peaked, I'll just go ahead and tell you. And if I'm like, you know what, if you're waiting for this to get much better than this, um, yeah, you should just unsubscribe. So, oh, this is great. I'm less than two minutes in and I've already told people to just go ahead and unsubscribe. This is This is good. This is real good. <laughs> so for those of you that didn't listen to our little mini intro that we released last week, Here's generally the format of the show. It's a write-in show. So these are real people, uh, female chiropractors, writing in questions to us. And, um, you know, we will keep their information private. Sometimes we'll use their real first names. Sometimes out of their respect, we may change it. Uh, So you really have no no way of knowing if this is a real person or not you just have to trust me. Uh, so we're going to start with today's topic, which was another thing that we put a huge amount of thought into because it's the first one. And it is a huge one because of the emotional intensity with it. It is around maternity leave. This is a big deal for female chiropractors. Um, and birth, this person who wrote in, it's oh, it's an amazing story, and I'm excited to jump in and help her. So before we start, though, what we're gonna do, you know, this whole thing is probably gonna be a little messy, uh, but we're gonna start with a 30 second prayer. I'm gonna do this on every podcast. Um, It may be in the beginning, or if I completely forget, I may be like, oh, shit, you guys, we forgot to pray. Hold on. Uh, I'm going to keep it to 30 seconds because most podcast players, like however you're listening to this, probably have a fast forward 30 second thing that you normally use to like fast forward through the like, you know, who's sponsoring this episode. So if you're not super Christian, that's cool. Go ahead and skip forward. I don't care. But uh, it's my damn podcast and I want to do it. So, uh, dear God, holy crap. I hope that this is actually what you intended for this because here I go. Uh, And uh, like I said, if I'm going to suck, make it suck real fast so I don't waste years on this. Today's topic, so, so sensitive. Please be with all of the women who are listening, who this touches their heart, like help them, like send something to me to help them get whatever they need out of this. So many women just carry their births like it's a representation of them and just help me be a part of helping them heal through you. So, amen. So let's read our first question. So it comes from Jenna. So Jenna says, Dear Lauren, actually, that's not true. Okay, so here's the deal. It is from Jenna. But nobody who sent in questions starts it with Dear Lauren. And I'm really hoping that eventually they start. But I added the Dear Lauren part, because again, that's how I wanted to start. So Dear Lauren, For the last seven years, I've run my own cash-based family wellness and prenatal and pediatric chiropractic clinic. So already, I love her. I'm a prenatal and pediatric clinic person. I'm a solo provider, now seeing about 130 a week. I'm almost 12 weeks pregnant with my second child. However, this is my fifth pregnancy. Motherhood and miscarriage has definitely left an impact on my life and practice. While those lessons were some of my darkest days and I pray they're behind me now, I learned a lot about how to support women through the beautiful and also heartbreaking journey of becoming a mother. During my first pregnancy, all was fine. We were collecting $27,000 a month at the time I was stepping away. I had one assistant at the time. I practiced up until 37 weeks and only stopped because adjusting was causing contractions all day. Our birth went from a typical home birth to an eminent C-section, due to her attempting to come out ear first. It was heartbreaking and my baby was born with substantial birth trauma. While I was away, my local male coverage doc took my collections to 3,000 a month. I know he was trying to help, but it was horrible. He also moved a few of my patients over to his practice, having pushed for three hours, then having a C-section, I could hardly move. The idea of adjusting was unbearable because unless I was medicated, I was holding a seven pound newborn baby and that was impossible. I went back to work because I was either going to have to close the doors or get back to work. I couldn't afford my overhead with the way he left my clinic and had to rely on my husband's income to float us. We had put back money, but with the major decline in collections, we had to funnel that money into all the things instead of just payroll. When I returned, I wasn't 100%. At best, I was 50%. So the clinic slowly but surely began to rebuild. I let go of my CA and realized after her departure that she had stolen from me from the time I went on maternity leave to the time I let her go. We are a very healthy, thriving business again. And I can honestly say practice on this side of that struggle is way better than the one I had before I had my daughter. Being pregnant again and knowing all the things I had to walk through to get here, I want to do this better this time. I need a structure in place to prevent the shit show that occurred last time. I'm interested in expanding to have an associate, so maternity leave isn't such a shock to my clinic, but finding the right fit is a whole other can of worms. Oh my gosh, can everybody who's listening just like do a little like mental applaud to her vulnerability? Like it's, birth is so personal and like when we look at practice, it's just... Oh, it's a lot to all take in. So I'm going to preface this. I preface, I will have to preface things a lot. Like I am a pretty offensive, direct person who contains a little bit of empathy. So I'm kind of a birth asshole in the sense that like I'm the one that you it's really easy to hate because I had two super easy pregnancies and births. Um, so I'm the one who like, yep, things went according to plan. I was able to like control everything and uh, it didn't shake my world. So I'm going to take that into account, but give me grace. I'm going to try and give the best feedback and information I can with that. But I can't sympathize, I, but I'm going to try and empathize here. So really, when I look at this question, there's, there's two parts to it. So there's like prepping physically and emotionally for this. Um, and then there's also prepping the clinic. And then there's a third part. Okay, shit. There's more than two parts. And then there's like, what does returning look like? So we're going to tackle all of it in my little ADD world. So let's start with emotional. Like, I just want to like pray over you. Oh, no, that's weird. No, I'm not praying over you. Uh. Vuh. I hope, there we go, that's a better and less weird thing to do, my hope is that any emotional baggage that you're still holding to from that previous birth, you do the work to let go of um, before the second birth happens, because I have, so I remember way back when I, it was like 10 years ago, I was doing Jeannie Holmes, ICPA, her Webster certification class, And for those of you that have done Jeannie's class, you know this moment where she has just gotten done showing like the C-section and everyone's like trying to look away and it's like terrible. And there's like all this shame around like people who who have an elective C-section and like, and I remember this girl raising her hand and she's, Stood up and she had like she was a chiropractor and she had tears just pouring down her face. I don't remember her question because she like immediately started rolling into her story. And it's very similar. Like, wanted this birth, like wanted this birth to be gorgeous and perfect. And it wasn't. It was terrible. And it was ugly. And it was emergency C-section and all of the stuff that comes with that, all the healing. And it was over 10 years ago that she had experienced this. And you guys, it was like she had gone through this trauma a week ago. Like she was still holding on to it. And it's really that shame that we what other profession I, I seriously I can't think of another profession that puts the amount of um, burden on us. It's like we as female chiropractors think that our birth represents how effective chiropractic is or not like you we realize that that sounds So asinine, right? That like my birth not going to plan is not a billboard for all of my future patients, my prenatal patients, that chiropractic does not work. That is like those things are not linked. Life happens, and yet we still we as female chiropractors, we think that we're supposed to be like Mother Nature and that if we have this perfect birth, it's somehow going to like be this great marketing thing that we can use, you know, down the road. And oh, and just not even marketing, just like we won't be embarrassed telling other chiropractors too of like, oh, mine didn't go well, I must be a bad chiropractor because my birth didn't go well. Like, it's just, it's really stupid. Um, So really, we got to deal with that emotional stuff. I don't know, you seem real good. You didn't indicate that you are but like, only you know, Um, And anybody who's listening, if your birth didn't go well, like only, you know, whether you've actually done the work to not make that baggage you're carrying through you. So then we have to deal with the physical things. And I could do a whole podcast on this. I'm not going to like Google that shit. There's so many like great like birth fit uh, resources out there to prep your body obviously staying active, I know you so like I know I'm sure you're staying active. Uh, Two things that were really recommended to me from some very experienced birthing chiropractors is to limit your side posture, Um, you know, doing side posture on people. What they said is that it kind of puts torque into your diaphragm. And it was recommended to me to get diaphragm work uh, by a craniosacral therapist. I don't know if it worked or not well, anecdotally, I got it. And my births went fine. So I don't know, think about your diaphragm, look into your diaphragm. That is what I have for as far as like physical prep in your body. Most of what we're going to dig into is how to prepare your clinic. And that's really what your question is at. So you said you're at 130 a week, um, you're looking at bringing on an associate, you know, again, that's a whole nother like, are you ready to be at that level? Like, Again, only you know. Uh, in my opinion, bringing on an associate at one thirty a week is going to put you in a, a a weird financial situation. And by weird financial situation, um, I mean you're not going to have a lot of money. So you're going to have a lot of freedom, uh, but I will also tell you from experience that you probably don't have time at this point to bring on a great associate and get them so comfortable with your clinic that your maternity leave wouldn't like affect your numbers at all. Uh, really, even if you find a really great associate, it's going to take somewhere between six months to a year for your clinic to fully accept them. Uh, so, you know, it's up to you. Some people get an associate at 130. Some people wait until they're over 200. Some people wait longer, like, you know, again, whole different podcast. Uh, but you kind of asked in a previous thing to this of like, should I keep going knowing I'm going maternity leave? Should I keep like marketing and going hardcore? 12 weeks into your pregnancy? Yeah. I wouldn't stress about it. Like I, in your mind, you're, you're right. You're at a nice stable spot where I don't think you're like, oh my gosh, if I don't get to this point, this is going to be dangerous. But obviously the higher, the more you can grow the clinic, the better. Just keep in mind, you're at a good enough place. Like don't let it emotionally beat you up. You're pregnant. You're a chiropractor. You know, the importance of a healthy neurology. Okay. So what can you do to prepare your clinic? So you have a CA really thinking about your systems and procedures, like scripting the shit out of that. They should be so good by the time you leave. Like they're trained. They need to be really, really running the show. Well, you said that your previous CA was stealing from you. So, uh, I don't know how to make these ones not steal from you. Like, that sucks. That was kind of like once, you know, as if your collections dropping that much wasn't terrible. Uh, it was if your birth going horrible wasn't, like, bad enough. You got crapped on again by your CA stealing from you. Like, you poor thing. So, I don't know. I, like... I'm like i a very direct person, and so anytime that uh, I have an opportunity to kind of let my CAs know that I would sue the shit out of them and take them to jail if they ever stole from me, like, you know, in a nice way, uh, I just drop that in. Just, you know, once every six months I make a comment like, ha ha ha, I would take that person to jail if they stole from me. Anyway, that's probably not the most empathetic, loving Jesus advice, but just tell them not to steal from you. So getting that CA really, really well-trained and script, like going through, like if this, then that, uh, getting your patients and them being there is going to be so helpful because your patients are going to recognize a face. They're going to feel really comfortable with that person. So another thing that I would recommend doing is not having your covering doc there for all total of the hours that you're there now so like if you're open 36 adjusting hours a week at 130 really you could probably get away with like three six-hour shifts or four what's three times six is 18 oh gosh so four four four-hour shifts you know but like really you do not need to have this vast amount of hours there. But what I would do is start doing that now. So that's gonna work great just physically for your body so you're not on your feet eight to five all day long as you're in your third trimester. It's going to also work great because it's going to save you money with this maternity doc. It's also going to work great because then when you do come back, whenever you come back and we'll get to that point, you don't have to come back to your normal hours. You just come back to the same hours your patients have been used to. But yeah, you just kind of start like herding them like little sheep into like, I know, Nancy, I know you love Tuesdays at 8 a.m., but how would you feel about Mondays at 8am? Or, you know, you just start like hurting them there. So that way, when you have that maternity doc, and they're covering for you those exact hours that you've trained them, it's just one less hurdle of like, yeah, Nancy, I know you were always with Dr. Jenna on Tuesdays at eight, but this doc is not here on Tuesdays at eight. Nancy's just gonna be like, well, I'll just wait until Jenna comes back for my Tuesday at eight. So you start like just moving them. there, are gonna get you off your feet. Uh, As far as that recovering doc, so female chiropractor, like a vagina is going to be, they're just, you know, it's going to be like a better version of you than a male. You had a male the first time. If you can get a female, that does matter. But I would say their style of adjusting, matching yours is most important. So if you can find a female that has a matching style, that is the best. So then you want to, once you've like arranged this contract uh, and we'll get a little bit more to like the contract that you have, that maternity doc, you want to talk them up so much to your patients. So now this worked for me because uh, I'm in teeny tiny town, Wisconsin. So my maternity doc was coming from across the state. So I literally Jesus, he, he could have been Jesus and come and you know, been amazing. My and my patients wouldn't have switched to him. So that really worked in my favor, having a maternity doc coming from far away, because he wasn't going to be stealing patients that wasn't happening. So I like that as an option for you if you can. Um, But talk them up, put their picture at the front desk. And you're going to be like, oh my gosh, Dr. Gina, who's covering for me. I can't even believe I got her. She's like the gold standard for relief docs in this area. Um, You're going to love her. Like, thank goodness she doesn't practice around here because you might want to switch her. You know, like you talk them up so much. It's going to help your patients a little bit. Like it's not going to fully, fully help them not be nervous, but it will help a little bit. So then another thing you want to do to prep the clinic is you want your CAs to schedule. So as you get closer to the end where you're going to be like cutting back on your maternity leave or going on your maternity leave, have your CAs schedule through until you're coming back. So for instance, if it's November, and you're due to give birth sometime in December. And your plan is that you're going to come back March 1st. In November's appointment, while you're still in the clinic, have your CA schedule that patient through To March. And you know, you you have that CA scripted to say, like, you know what, Dr. Gina isn't gonna really know what your normal care plan is or your wellness or your maintenance plan. So what we're gonna do just so we don't have to bother Dr. Jenna at home is we're gonna schedule you until Dr. Jenna is planning on coming back. She may come back earlier than that, but like this way, those appointments are taken care of. And it's not really offered as a um, an option. It's just this is what we're doing, just so you know. That, you know, again, can the patient cancel? Of course they can, but it's one less hurdle of like them deciding they don't want to call and schedule another appointment. Okay. Another thing to prep the clinic is if you are not using some kind of text review system, implement it ASAP. So we use something called Review Wave. There's a bunch of them out there. I'm not endorsing Review Wave. They work fine for us. There might be a better one. I don't know. Um... But how it works for us is every 60 or 90 days. I think we have it set for 90 days, but you can have it set for every 30 days, every 60. The patient just gets a text saying, like, how was today? They just have to push a star, zero stars to five stars. They can comment, they can, you know, do all this. Anything that is less than five stars will come to you. Well, actually, you'll get the five-star ones too, but like they don't get to to post it to Google. Now, if they rate you five stars, then it gives them the option of like, would you like to share this on Facebook or Google, but anything less than that, it doesn't give them that option. So implementing that now, because that's technology and it's a whole new procedural system. But what's going to happen is is you don't go from 27,000 to 3,000 without some like major, you know what, going down in the clinic. So what's going to happen now, granted, is this going to be kind of stressful for you on clinic or, you know, being home on a maternity leave? Yeah. But if you start getting two-star review, two-star review, two-star review, you know, week two or three of your maternity doc being there, you do want to know that. So what would end up happening is, is, you know, maybe they'll write something and you can address it with your CA of like, hey, this is what we're getting reviews back. I need you to do this. Maybe you need to talk to the maternity doc in a nice way of like, hey, a lot of our patients are saying you're just a faster adjuster than I am. Um, there's not as much muscle work. Would you mind? Remember we talked about how I do a lot of muscle work, you know, whatever. But that way you can nip that in the butt as soon as possible. You really, you really just got to put your yourself in the shoes of your patients and what are they afraid of? You know, what are they thinking? And they're thinking, Oh, it's uh I, I'll just wait until she's back from maternity leave. There's no harm in that. So what I did is I did a lot of like table talk of like, all right, Betsy. I don't you notice all my fake patient names are like real old people? I don't even like old people. Our patient, we have like two percent Medicare. Anyways, um, let's see, what's a younger name? Uh, Damn it. These are all old. All right. Anyway, So I'd be like, okay, Betsy, you know, so let's imagine I'm like 36 weeks pregnant and Betsy comes in every other week. And I'm like, all right, Betsy. So more than likely, I'm still going to be here at your next appointment. You know, we're going to have you scheduled out until I'm planned to be back. That's going to be easier for the front desk and for you and for Dr. Gina coming in. Um, you know, and I just, here's the, th- the thing I don't want to happen, Betsy, because you know, I don't want you to think that, if you just skip your appointments that you're going to be better off, like because what's going to happen is I'm going to come back, you're going to be a mess. And we're going to have to see you like three times a week for a month, you know, just to get you back to the same status. So you're only going to see Dr. Gina like three times. Like I've already told her all about you. She's got your file, like, it's going to be great. So just keep on your maintenance. So you're not a wreck when I come back, you know, do me a favor, right? Like laugh about type thing. But really think through, like, what are the things that your patients think they can get away with? What are the things that they're afraid of? What, you know, they're afraid of the doctor being weird, the doctor hurting them, the doctor, you know, like all of that. So you're assuring them, like, I sat down and talked specifically with you. Um, If you have the capability of having the doc come shadow you for a day and like getting as many people on that day as possible, you know, that was a big thing that I did. Uh, for both of my maternity leaves, where you know we scheduled as many people on the day that he was going to be there, yeah, I had a guy for my second one i 'll tell you, oh my gosh, you guys so i haven 't told you about my maternity leaves, my docs Oof, damn so <laughs> so the first one she it was a woman, and she was so nice, so nice uh, but what I started hearing, we did not have the text system going at this point, but what I started hearing about three weeks into my maternity leave is that she did like some credit card swiping maneuver. Uh, for those of you that don't know what I mean by a credit card swiping, a c- credit carding someone is when you take your hand and you swipe it through their butt crack like a credit card. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Again, We are open here at She Slays the Day to all techniques. No offense to that technique at all. I don't know what technique that is, but it wasn't my technique. And when I talked to her initially about, hey, this is how I adjust, she was like, yeah, I totally adjust the same way. She never mentioned anything about a credit card. And I would have then said like, oh, that's cool. I don't think my patients will be used to it. And you're gonna be here for such a short time. I just don't think it's worth even, yeah. No, I was not told that. Um, so yeah, so that was the first one and the clinic, I was gone for six weeks and that was, that was the plan, you know, to be gone for six weeks. And then we arranged, oh, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but, um, you know, we had arranged for my husband to take some paternity leave and then my sister to, to nanny. So our kid didn't go to daycare until she was 12 weeks old, but I only took six weeks and then I didn't bring her in the clinic again. Like that's just, that wasn't my style. We were totally jumping ahead here, but, um. So that's what happened. And the clinic went down forty percent in six short weeks, we dropped forty percent of collections. It did come back. Like, I wouldn't say it came back the week that I came back. Um, but, you know, that's scary. That's really scary to think about, you know, your your first baby isn't really like your first, first baby, right? Because your clinic, if you started a clinic before you had your first child, like seeing your clinic kind of dying is also motivation to kind of get your rearing gear and get back. So, uh, the second maternity leave that I took, I had a guy, um, I kind of was short for options, uh, and he seemed really nice. Um, I was pretty sure that he was gay, which I liked. I totally liked. He was, like, I don't know, he didn't admit it, but he did, he kept talking about like his best friend and about like how he almost fainted at a Celine Dion concert. And so it was this thing where me and the front desk are just like, okay, like, but he's super like manly, bear, like Northwoods. And I'm like, all right, whatever. This is gonna go great. I like this guy. Uh, And he was a very physical adjuster. I'm a physical adjuster. So it worked well, but still... Um, I was gone for five weeks with my second one and the numbers still tanked 40 to 50%. Ah, I would love to tell you that like, there's this solution where your numbers aren't going to go down, but it's really not realistic. What you want to do is you want to prep for the numbers to go down as least as possible. And if they don't go down then I don't know, I would just add some weeks to your maternity. If like, if you're planning on only taking eight weeks and every your numbers haven't dropped at all, I would take another three or four for sure. Like, shit, why wouldn't you? If you, you know, it's, if you can be on, <laughs> I almost said vacation. If you can be on vacation, we call paternity leave, uh, for 12 weeks and your clinic doesn't drop at all, take every single week you can. I don't know, take a year. Do what the Canadians do. Take a year. So anyways, where, what was I talking about? I don't remember. Okay. So, oh, yeah, I just talked about my maternity leaves. I injected them at a really well-organized time of the show. So we've talked about how to physically prepare your body, how to emotionally prepare your mind for this coming up, getting rid of that baggage, and how to prepare the clinic uh, for this upcoming departure of yourself. So then there's returning to work. And this is a whole bag of worms in itself, what I should have done is I should have asked like what you were thinking, but wanting to, but I didn't because, because of your first pregnancy, I think you kind of know it's like, well, it depends. Did birth go ideal or did it go not ideal? So let's start with if birth goes ideal. So VBAC and um, you go, you know, you're feeling really strong emotionally and physically. Baby is healthy, nursing like a trooper. Uh, Let's talk about Lauren's magical pumping technique. Um, I only say that because it's the opposite of what most of our lactation consultants around here advise. And I don't get it. I don't like just from a logical standpoint, I don't get it. Okay. So what a lot of women, at least in my area, are told is that you shouldn't Really pump for multiple weeks uh, be, when your milk comes in, because you know, it's going to confuse things. I don't, I don't really know. I don't know why they tell them. I don't pay attention because I think the opinion is stupid, so I stop listening when they explain why it's a good idea to not pump right away. So here's what I recommend. In the beginning, once your milk comes in, your body is looking to the baby, this teeny tiny baby, to tell it how much milk do you need on a daily basis. So this teeny tiny baby only eats like a couple tablespoons at a time in the beginning. Well, I don't know for any of you that have had your milk come in before, like you got way more than two tablespoons in those big knockers in the beginning, right? You're like, holy cow, it hurts so bad. Uh, And so what I do, what I did is, you know, they're so big, like you can't even get a latch because you're just like, ah. So you get, you feed the baby from one boob baby's all good, full. Okay, great. Somebody burp this thing. And then you pump both boobs. Okay. So even the one that the baby just ate from, you're going to pump both. Now milk can sit out, sit out for a couple hours. So people are like, Oh, but what if I drain my boobs? And then like 30 minutes later, the baby's hungry again. Well, then you have, you know, don't put it in the refrigerator right, right away. Like then you have fresh milk, just give it a bottle or, you know, honestly, 30 minutes later, you probably have more milk in the in the containers, (laughs) in the containers, anyways. So then, you know, you wait like kind of an hour. And then by then, if baby wants to eat again, you've got milk in your boobs again. And you're going to put that milk that you pumped directly into the freezer. Do not put it in the fridge. Milk will always get used that's in the fridge. It just is this like magical thing. That's like, it does never makes it to the freezer. So you're going to put that stuff in a bag, put it in the freezer, date it. And this is, so then the next time the baby wants to eat, feed from the other boob. Okay, somebody burp this thing and then you're gonna pump both boobs again. And you are gonna have this like nice stockpile of breast milk. So whenever you're ready to go back to work, like I see so many women just kind of chained to their breast pump and like how much milk they're producing and this and that because they weren't pumping enough in the beginning. So what happens is is if you don't pump, in the beginning when you've got like milk that's dripping, like literally pouring out of your nipples, right? Your body is going to go, oh, you don't need all this milk? Well, here, I'll stop making so much. And they say like, oh, your body will like meet, you know, as the baby wants more milk, your body will make more milk. Okay, maybe maybe some of you out there who were like milk machines that worked for, it did not work for me, like my body just steadily declined over a year type thing. So anyway, so that is Lauren's magical pumping technique. It is not uh, copywritten or trademarked. So somebody can go make lots of money on it. Um, Okay, so ideally, you know, you're gonna return with your plan. I'm sure you have an ideal plan. We don't need to spend a lot of time talking about your ideal plan. You know, whether it's you're going to come back to five weeks and you're going to baby wear or you're going to take 12 weeks and you're going to have a maternity leave and like everything's going to be great. Cool. Let's talk about the night not ideal, because that is really where I'm sure you hold a lot of fear around. So you can't prep for it. You know this. That's why it's so scary. But there are some things that you can kind of do. So you want to really secure your safety nets. Uh, And safety nets in this scenario is money, money, money. So live small. Live as small as you can if you are like aggressively paying off your loans. Oh, by the way, my lawyer said, I should tell you, I am not a financial advisor. This is just my opinion. Welcome to She Slays the Day. I have lots of opinions and most of them are just based on my opinion. Anyways, so live small, save as much money as you can. Um obviously, if you can have three to six months of overhead saved, that's ideal. Um, So if you're like, I started to say, if you're overpaying on your student loans to try and like get down that principal, maybe now's not that time, like put that money away in savings. So you have it at your disposal if you need to. Uh, Figure out you know where you can float money. You know as you get closer, maybe you pay down your credit card every month. Maybe you know you don't do that. Maybe you pay a portion of it if you don't have enough savings as you're getting into that third trimester. But really, you want to have that nest egg, that financial nest egg, because that the money is going to be the only thing that really forces you to lay people off and close your doors. So making sure that that is not an issue is going to be one of the biggest things. So then I recommend talking contingency plans with your relief doc. Um, You know, if you're planning on coming back at six weeks, but you have a C-section, you know, have these conversations with your maternity doc of like, okay, so what happened? You know, are you available for this extra period? Like figure out those things with him or her ahead of time. You know, if I want to come back early you know, how, how does that work with a contract? Can I like buy you out, you know, type of thing. I really recommend making sure that the contract with your maternity doc is determined based on the numbers of the clinic. Because if they're just getting a paycheck, whether they're seeing, you know, 30 people a day, 50 people a day, 100 people a day, or five people a day, there's really not much mental incentive for them to like do the boosts and do your care plans, things like that. Okay. So another thing that you are going to want to make sure you do, and this is whether the birth is ideal, not ideal, um, but you need to clarify your care plans with whoever is your maternity relief doc. Um You know, what I don't care is if she averages six visits and she can bring the living back from the dead. I don't care. Uh, What I care about is what is your clinic's average? And that's what she needs to do because she works for you. So if you have a 24-visit care plan as your average recommended care plan for a new patient, you need to tell the relief doctor that that is what you expect she gives out to new patients on average um that doesn't you know obviously she's a doctor she can use her head but like she should average that and um if she's uncomfortable with that you're gonna have to coach her and kind of give her that conversation that like whether she's comfortable or not she needs to do that she works for you um also with your CA, you know, you let her know exactly what you need her to do. And she needs to do that. See, this is hard for us as women. And when we like really pull back the veil on like, well, duh, that's common sense. Well, why isn't it happening is because we as women are so damn nice. Um, (laughs) I mean, for instance, I wouldn't even call myself a super nice person. Uh, But last week I ordered, it was like the first spring day um, up here in Wisconsin. It's been crazy cold forever and ever and ever. It was like really warm out. And I'm like, oh man, I want an iced latte so bad. So I go, I order it, great. And then what do they serve me? A hot latte. And I know I said iced. And so I kind of was like, oh, this was supposed to be iced. And the barista looked at me like, oh, well, I can change it for you if you want. And instead of being like, yes, please. I said like, no, that's okay. And I'm like walking away thinking like, why did I do that? I don't want this damn hot latte. And okay, like this is a stupid example, kind of, but this is what we do all day long. And the latte doesn't matter. It did not matter. But guess what does matter? Your practice. Your practice matters. And so we have to start taking these bolder steps in kind ways. There are kind ways to tell people, this is how it needs to be done. This is what I want. I am paying you. And therefore, this is what you will do. I don't care that that's your opinion. Again, nicer. I'm sure you'll be a lot nicer, but like that's, that's beating, not beating around the bush. Like this is what needs to happen is you need to figure out what do you need your CA to do on a daily basis to keep, what do you need her to say? How does she need to respond to negative reviews? How do you want her to describe the maternity doc? How do you want her to tell your patients how your maternity leave is going? It doesn't matter what she feels like doing. Same thing for your maternity relief doc. I don't care if you think that lavender oil is going to be the end all be all to my patient's migraines. I don't sell lavender oil and therefore I don't want you doing it. And that is what is hard is we're just so like, okay, whatever. Like we think they're doing us a favor. And so we feel bad telling them exactly what we want, but you're not, they're not doing you a favor. You are paying a premium most of the time for these maternity relief docs to come in, and so you have to remove that they're doing you a favor because that's how they steal patients from you. Is the mindset of like, "Ooh, I just don't want to offend him; that I don't really love that. That's how he's doing it." So, you know, and this kind of continues with your patients. Now, obviously. Your patients are paying you, so it's not quite as much of like a you will do what I say, but there will never be another time that your patients, assuming you have like nice normal human beings in your practice, um, there will never be another time that your patients are more wanting to help you and looking to say like, how can we help you through this transition? So, you know, if you want to ask your patients, to schedule for the next six months because it is going to give you that peace of mind while you're home that you can just be there and present with your baby and not worrying that they're getting the care they're going to need. They are so much more going to be willing to go along with that during this time. So tell your patients what you need from them. Tell them, you know what, I've got this doc, Dr. Sarah coming in and I'm really excited. I know that it's not going to be me, but it would mean the world to me if you would just stay up on your care so when I do come back, you're not a hot mess and we don't have to rebuild you. Like, I can't be at home worrying that all of my patients are falling apart. You know, like, again, they're gonna be like, okay, yeah, I can do that for you. So Jenna, if that's your real name, (laughs) I hope you have notes. I hope that at some point in this, whether you know, you're just listening or you're the person who wrote in that this sparked something in you. It got you unstuck in this point and you feel like you have confidence to make some different decisions this time around. Um, Reminder to everyone listening, we don't have a show without you guys sending in questions. Um, this is not about me just picking topics that I feel like talking about some of the topics there, they make me uncomfortable. And I'm like, Oh, man, I'm gonna kick pump that one out a couple months get a little better at this before I address it. But like, these are this shows all about you and giving back to that. So there's lots of different ways you can send us your questions. Um, you can go to she And there's a submission form there. You can email me. Lauren at sheslayspodcast.com. Lauren is L-A-U-R-Y-N. You can direct message us on Instagram, on Facebook. You can send a carrier pigeon to my home in Rice Lake. I don't care. Send a smoke signal. However I can get your question, um, do that. But we definitely need those questions to keep coming in. Also subscribe. Um, like I said, it's going to get better. So even if you're like, I don't know if I'm going to hang around, like stick around for a little while, subscribe to however you get your podcast and review us, especially if you're one of those people that would review us five stars. We we want your reviews way more than the person who's on the edge. (laughs) Um, You know, if in that review, you give us a short question, we might even answer it just at the beginning of a question. You know, maybe it's not an entire podcast, but if it's an easy one, we'll just Handle it there, um, but ultimately, we love you guys so much. Thanks for being a part of this, supporting this, and until next time, she slayers. Hey, she slayers! Are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? Sked has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast, and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer, don't wait.